0: Hello and welcome back to the How They Did It Business podcast, where we bring the best in business. I'm your host, Alec Taylor, the founder of Diverse VC. We are now back with Sergio Pollock, the founder of Beta Boom, for part two, taking a deeper dive to learn a little bit more about his background, especially being an immigrant and coming to the States and investing in exclusively pre seed stage companies led by diverse and generally overlooked founders, particularly immigrants, women, and people of color helping them succeed by giving them the whole bag of tools from product marketing, sales, and fundraising advice. Super excited to have you back for part two. Are you ready to hop in and take a deeper dive on your background? Absolutely. Let's do it. Awesome. Sergio, I want to take a deeper dive on your background, being an entrepreneur, being a leader, and now being an investor. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? I know we glimmered on it a little bit. If you can just kind of give us the, the quick run through on how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah, totally. You
0: know, so so first of all, I would
1: have never in a million years guessed that I would be um a tech investor. I I didn't even think about working in tech to be honest until I ended up there. But I think, you know, for me the journey was really kind of a confluence of of both my personal journey and my professional journey. So on on the professional journey side, right after college, I on a whim moved to to SF to San Francisco and you know, the first job that I was able to get after looking for quite a while was at Google. And so that's what kind of, you know, jump started my foray into tech. And, you know, and then after that, I, I started an innovation consultancy and that was really great because it allowed me to work for a lot of different clients and on a lot of different innovation projects and build innovation teams, build engineering teams. So it was just like, you know, like two careers worth of, of innovation crash course into less than a decade or a decade ultimately and then atma connect was kind of my first real venture that actually took off and, and had any kind of legs and so that was really when it clicked and and as i mentioned in in the first part of our conversation i had a lot of failures leading up to that point and that's the time when i really kind of got it so you know so that was kind of my professional background I really understood innovation, I really understood tech, I really understood how to build and enable teams. And I really finally figured out what it takes to actually be an entrepreneur and what it takes to build something and grow a customer base. On the other side, my personal journey is, you, you mentioned my my uh, kind of immigrant background. I think that was absolutely key to being the kind of investor that I am. Um, and what I learned really early on is that You know, when I came to this country, I lived in like a super poor neighborhood and we had rampant gang warfare and, you know, our our community was very mixed. And, And I very early on realized that, you know, the smartest, grittiest people are actually in communities like that. They're not in Palo Alto necessarily, although obviously there are plenty of smart, creative people in Palo Alto as well. But you know, they oftentimes the the most brilliant, the most resilient, and resourceful people come from really challenging means and backgrounds. And so that revelation and or that thing, you know, that belief I've had for a very long time, and that is a really important component to my journey. And then you know, beyond that, I I was. After Atma, I was, I started mentoring at Berkeley's big idea competition and I kind of, you know, really fell in love with working with, with entrepreneurs. I always wanted to be a teacher. And so this was like a very hands on way of helping people figure out things and, and build things. And I just loved that. And then, you know, really it all kind of came together when I started kind of. I got really tired of living and working in Silicon Valley. I thought that the innovations coming out of the Valley were really focused on like a very elite class of people uh, Mm -hmm. that wasn't really, you know, wasn't my people, wasn't like my family and my background. And I started looking outside of the Valley and realized that there's a tremendous amount of innovation happening, you know, outside of the, the Silicon Valley, outside of New York, outside of Boston, And not only that, the kind of innovators that were in those regions were much more diverse culturally, ethnically, socioeconomically. But the thing that the common thread from hundreds of conversations that I had with founders like this was that, you know, they lack the same access to obviously capital, because if you're, let's say, a founder in Nashville, Tennessee, you don't have the same kind of access to capital that you would have living in SF access to, you know, operational expertise. So to, you know, people that you can hire or work with, to mentorship. So, you know, so on all of those things kind of came together, my tech background, my conviction in kind of overlooked underdog founders and people, and then this realization that, you know, pe- you know in order to make those entrepreneurs successful, we need to invest more than just money. We need to invest our own human capital the knowledge that we have, the connections that we bring.
0: So that's really how Beta Boom came to be. And that's how I got started on this journey. That is an amazing piece there. And and thank you for kind of delineating your professional background from your personal journey and how it seems like you took your skill sets from the professional background, but you bought in a space that aligns with your personal journey. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't recognize all the time, that you know, that's where you find that kind of connection between, you know, I guess being able to have a career path that gives you opportunity and, and allows you to make a good living, but also it's meaningful for you, right? And I think that's a huge piece. And also I love that brilliant, resilient and resourceful comment about people who come from different backgrounds, to different spaces that aren't always access, don't always have access to, you know, capital or to those oper- operational expertise, et cetera. You know, you find these people and, and then you give them these resources and they explode. And and that's absolutely huge. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about beta boom, and, you know, the types of investments you're looking in. What kind of things are you guys looking at in entrepreneurs and what are you guys offering them and how are you impacting these entrepreneurs today?
1: Yeah. So, you know, once again, the I, I think the biggest opportunity in tech is, you know, all of the groups of people that have been fairly ignored until now or overlooked. So I'm talking in terms of consumers. So you have huge swaths of middle-class, lower-class folks, you know, also to a large extent tech has overlooked, you know, certain ethnic groups and even women. So I think there is a tremendous amount of opportunity there that cannot be addressed by, you know, kind of the standard Silicon Valley model. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so what we look for are, Founders that, you know, are once, once again, that really understand and are passionate about their, pro- the problem that they're solving. So they've usually lived with that problem or have experienced it for years. We really love founders that are, that have shown resilience and grit and innovation that have also shown focus and have proven to be able to actually execute. We don't care if you went to, you know, Stanford or a state school. I don't care if you worked at Google or at McDonald's. What is really important is that you have those factors. So that's what we look for. We tend to be really focused on digital health and fintech, both because those are huge markets that are really not serving uh, people of color and 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 women and um, other groups, but also because professionally that's where. I and my partner have the most background in leading innovation projects in FinTech and digital health. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of the value that we bring, you know, really, I see kind of all sc- the old school VC model as not really being the best tool for unlocking this next wave of entrepreneurs. And the reason why is because if you really think about it, innovation comes down to three things. It comes down to finding startups, choosing startups. And then supporting them post investments and the old school model, it relies on biased networks to find startups. It relies on privilege and pedigree to choose startup founders and startups. And it relies on luck, basically, you know, for post investment success. And so what we do is we, you know, we, we kind of threw that whole model out and we said, look, how can we get more diverse and equitable deal flow or or see kind of a a really representative set of startup founders and startups. Mm -hmm. And so we have an open application process, first of all. Even startups that are referred to us have to go through our our application process. We don't give favoritism to you because you come from a network or because you went to a certain school. Mm -hmm. Uh, Secondly, on the selection process, we really focus once again on those measures of grit and execution and we don't really care so much about you know what your pedigree is and then really the most important thing that i think we do is that we help founders to succeed and we do that by working with them every day after we invest we work with them every single day on refining their product market fit on finding viable scalable marketing channels and getting ready and putting in place systems for a successful fundraising in the future. And we have a team of experts of, of product marketing, sometimes sales and fundraising experts that work with our teams every single day post investment for six months, sometimes more. Mm-hmm.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And I wanted to understand a little bit more about how you're finding these people. I think a big part with Diverse VC and, and what we're doing right now is. We're trying to target the ideas of diversity. How do you, in in specifically in businesses, right? How are we bringing these people in? How can you change your branding, your hiring methodologies, your onboarding, your continued development to make sure that once you have found these people, they're successful. But scaling back to just finding these people, where are you finding them?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, for us, it's really kind of a combination of things. So I I think if I were to break it down, I would say that we have kind of a targeted approach and a broad approach. So with the targeted approach is we are being very intentional about building our personal network with other let's say incubators and accelerators that invest heavily in overlooked founders and other downstream investors as well where you know maybe they're seeing founders that are too early for them but are just the right stage for us. So that is one part of it: is being really intentional about kind of counteracting, you know, the traditional biases in in, in our professional, you know, social networks. On the other hand, as you know, we also, like I said, have an open application, and we try really hard, for example, to provide valuable resources to the community, so people organically find us, because you know, not everybody is going to be in our network, and so we want to make sure that we really see a very broad uh, cross-section of, of founders, both geographically, you know, ethnically, socioeconomically. And that seems to work. I would say like in terms of startups that we've invested in, most of them kind of come find us organically without really uh, going through our personal network.
0: Keyword searches, it's amazing SEO. <laughs>
1: that too.
0: That's fantastic. Now, I wanna talk a little bit more about you know how you guys are currently infusing diversity into these businesses because you can start a business with you know this to, to be simple and, and using my personal experience perhaps and take it with a grain of salt you know you start with the black founder but then if the rest of the board that gets built around them the rest of the team around them they're not diverse you kind of end up going in the wrong direction how are you guys today trying to make sure that your companies are maintaining diversity or at least trying to hold on to some of those core principles.
1: Yeah, so you know, I, I think it's we, we try to be really intentional about not leaving things up to chance. So in terms of connecting our teams with advisors and mentors, we really try very hard to build a network um, that is representative of our own founders. You know, so uh, for example, having a lot of female executives that can mentor and advise our founders or, or people of color that are that have those kind of executive backgrounds or startup backgrounds. The other really key part is that obviously, you know, part of building a business is growing your team. So we try really hard as well to build networks of that operational expertise. So people that our teams are going to either hire or they're going to bring on as co-founders or work with in other ways, we want to make sure that they have access to a greater pool, a more diverse pool of talent. And so I think, you know, all in all, I, I think those things work. And then obviously just, you know, the nature of, of our own uh, founders, because they, they come from a kind of more diverse backgrounds, they appreciate diversity more and yeah. diverse. And, you know, that is one really, I mean, it's, it's been shown that the, the diversity of teams leads to better economic outcomes. And so they get that. So I think that they kind of
0: bring the will and we try to bridge those gaps and, and make those connections. No, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, one of the pieces that's so interesting is that so many companies inside of the VC space do not have that same amount of success. Do you have any insight into why that might be the case that diversity isn't highly present in different you know, companies or perhaps in some of the companies that are getting invested in today.
1: I think it's a very nuanced and a very multifaceted problem. I, I think you know, obviously, there you know there are challenges really early in the pipeline. So, so for example, what I don't understand is why other diversity focus or even other funds that are trying to increase the diversity of their portfolio still put so much emphasis on pedigree and where, where people work at. So, if, your pool, if you're pulling your pool of startup founders. From places like Google and Facebook and, you know, you know, other tech companies like that that have a history of underemploying diverse, you know, a diverse workforce. Yeah. Then how, how does that work? I just like mathematically, I don't get it. So I, I think that, you know, in, you know, it's a combination of employing more people in the tech industry as a whole. It's, and before then, it's a matter of uh, providing access to training and to education and, you know, in in the entrepreneurial realm, I will say that definitely what I've experienced as the two biggest gaps in in my space are, one, really early stage uh, funding. So it's kind of the friends and family realm. So, you know, so I, I recently just wrote this up. But, you know, a typical white household has more than 10 times the wealth than a black household. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. typically black founders, for example, don't have the same access to the friends and family money so we need to fill that gap and also for with the that, network
0: around them hey john hey jill you know yeah. can, my son's doing or daughter's doing this so, now that you guys do some investing and stuff would this be something you'd be willing to do ten to fifty thousand dollars to help get it off the ground totally with you yeah and then even things like mentorship you know
1: most mentors tend to be you know white guys mm-hmm. older white guys right and so if you have kind of this new wave of entrepreneurs that are you know tend to be a little bit younger tend to be more racially and and uh, geographically and socioeconomically more diverse you know we also need to empower and bring into the fold uh, mentors that, that come from similar backgrounds so and, and I, I think that's really just scratching the the tip of the iceberg about all of the kind of systematic uh, issues that are you know preventing you know other investors from really increasing the numbers and and to overcome that I think and this is the key point I think that there are a lot of challenges but to overcome that you need to do a lot of work and you need to do a lot of very intentional wealth work and that's where I think you know a lot of a lot of funds a lot of you know even companies fail is that they they really lack the conviction and they really lack the will to put in the hard work to you know turn those things around and i think some of it is also that they just don't know where to start but you know so but it takes work and and i think that there are many challenges that are kind of contributing to the homogeneity of how capital is allocated and who's hired in tech
0: companies that's fantastic and thank you for taking a deep dive into that because that was one of the things i wanted to make sure we captured and that was fantastic sergio now i want to move forward to the last couple pieces of this podcast where do you see the VC industry moving? I know that you're focused in kind of the tech space and around diverse entrepreneurs, but where, where do you see things moving? Where's innovation coming from?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I'm I'm not going to talk too much about sectors, but maybe a little bit. So I do think that, you know, some of the biggest sectors that have been uh, underserved by by the tech industry are in FinTech uh, and digital health and other sectors as well. So I, I think that there's gonna be a lot more innovation there. You know i wouldn't be where i am if i didn't believe that the next wave of founders and startups is going to be coming from much more diverse backgrounds so i really believe that is happening and i know it's happening we we see that all the time but the rate at which you know the female founders are creating businesses uh, or creating startups the rate at which people of color are creating startups is just skyrocketing and so we know the growth is going to come from there and, and i think Increasingly, we're going to see VCs invest in, in founders from greater, for more diverse backgrounds, working on a more diverse set of problems. Mm-hmm. I also think that, you know, I really believe that the old school Silicon Valley model isn't really the best model for unlocking this opportunity. And I think that there's going to be, hopefully there will be a lot of innovation in the investment space in turn on, on, on all three of those fronts, on how we source startups how we find startups how we choose them and how we support them and, and help make sure that they're being successful and we're already seeing a trend of that happening and recent Horowitz has the platform that they're expanding and other you know obviously we're very much bought into the human capital investment piece but we're seeing that crop out all over you know in, in this space so I think it's going to be a combination of you know realizing that there is a lot more diversity or a lot more opportunity in diversity and then also innovating your practices to really
0: better address those opportunities and unlock those offers. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And I agree with you. I think there's a lot of pieces, you know, programs getting pushed out right now, but I think a lot of people are, are at the, the intersection of, are these things that are people are just checking a box with right now? or do these things truly have the impact that is desired? And I think that's a really interesting piece that we'll have to see just over time. Sergio, last couple of pieces here before we wrap up. You know, diversity is closely tied to the core values we have here at Diverse VC, from ethnicity to gender, accessibility, industry, and so many other pieces. Where do you see the greatest need for diversity right now in your space?
1: You know, in, in venture capital, in, in the entrepreneurship realm, I really see that there is such a huge gap of funding opportunities at the really early stages. And I don't think that equity investment is really the way to bridge those gaps because, you know, at the stages when founders are just starting their companies, where they're turning their idea into something... Is very risky. So I don't know that the economics are there, but I I think we need a lot more investment at those really early like like friends and family rounding funding stages. So grant opportunities, loan opportunities. I think that foundations and, and government has a big role to play there. And then the second thing is, you know, I think we need a much greater diversity of mentors and angel investors. I think both mentors and angel investors have a huge role to play in enabling and and really unlocking the potential of the next wave of founders. And, you know, these are challenges. This isn't coming from me, by the way. These are challenges that, you know, founders that we speak with keep voicing over and over again. And then I guess the third thing, which I think to a large extent is being solved in many different ways is just building greater community. And, and there are a lot of great organizations and communities both physically and virtually that are, you know, that are that have been created to, for example, empower female founders. So I think that's already happening, but I think in terms of really early stage funding and diversity among mentors and angel investors has a very long way to go still.
0: Completely with you there. Those are some really great points. What is the the biggest... Problem, or I guess, kind of area for opportunity that people should be looking at right now to if they want to create a company. Where do you see that opportunity? Where do you want people to start looking?
1: I sound a little bit like a broken record. So, but you know, once again, like if you look at the, this, is what really kind of like drove, um, broke the, the proverbial camel's back and drove me out of Silicon Valley. Where innovations like Juicera, innovations like the $700 smart bond. Right. There are so many there's so much innovation for like elite classes of people that make up a tiny percentage of the U.S. and the world population. I think there are so many opportunities for innovation for regular people, for lack of better word, you know, for people that aren't in the upper middle class, that, that, you know, aren't in places like Palo Alto. And I think it really comes down to. Really, you know, if you are an innovator that that belongs to, you know, kind of the rest of us, to the other 99% of the population, I think really just thinking about in your own life with, with the people that you love, with your friends, what are things that they need? What are things that you personally need? And I'm always, I've always been a really big proponent of building the stuff that, you know, you really care about, that really would make your life better. So so I can't say that like one particular sector is, mm-hmm. is going to be better than another. But I, I, I think really looking at what you as an innovator,
0: what would make your life better is a great starting point. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Sergio, thank you so much for coming on today's podcast. I see an amazing future for what you guys are doing. I mean, clearly you guys have the the secret sauce. With that said, I want to open up the floor to you to share anything to our listeners. We have entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, uh, opportunity seekers. What do you want to tell them? Let them know.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think if
0: there is one thing that
1: I could convey. So here's something that I always think about. So the venture capital industry was actually invented in the late... 1800s, and it gained prominence in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s in Silicon Valley. So, our industry is super, super old. I think that we can do better. I think that there is so much space for innovation. You know, we're trying really hard to innovate on, on the beta boom side and really find better ways of, of unlocking the next wave of founders, but there are a lot of great other funds and you know accelerators and just things that can't even be named that are cropping up and i love that i think we need so much more of that i think that you know tech has obviously evolved substantially since the 1950s whereas the industry that that you know provides kind of the fuel for tech has barely evolved and accelerators as well you know accelerators were founded what fifteen years ago, which in tech years is like eons. So I just the thing that I would love from our community, our industry, was just continued innovation, is really pushing the envelope, asking questions of, you know, is is what we're doing the most effective thing that we can be doing? Can we do something better? Mm -hmm. And then for entrepreneurs, you know, I, I think I would just go back to kind of those three fundamental things that I mentioned before is that, you know, no guru is going to give you the magic bullet. If they did, you know, there'd be thousands of billionaires running around. Mm-hmm. It's all, you know, you're you're going to go through your own personal journey and it's important to get input. It's important to learn and, and get feedback. But at the end of the day, you have to chart your own path. That's the definition of innovation. You know, if, if somebody already has thought of it, then you're not innovating. So if you are an entrepreneur, if you're an innovator, I think focus on your own path, have conviction, but also, you know, be open-minded. And I, I think you will really
0: increase your chances of, of being successful. That's amazing. Sergio, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I love your background. An amazing story. So many great insights for entrepreneurs and venture capitalists to take from this conversation. Thank you so much. And I hope to honestly have you come back in the future. It would be my
1: pleasure, Alec. Thank you so much for having me. I I, I really enjoyed our conversation.
0: Okay, listeners, that's all we have for today's podcast. If you took one piece of advice, you got an idea, you learned how to do something new, I count that as a success. A wise person once said that success or a goal can be obtained by taking a whole bunch of little steps one after another to eventually get you to the spot that you wanna be. And this podcast helps you get there. I'm your host, Alec Taylor. We just had our guest Sergio Pollock on. Check him out. Let us know if there's anything you guys want to hear or anybody you want us to bring on the podcast in the future. But with that said, I'm your host, Alec Taylor, and hope to have you on the next How They Did a Business podcast where we share stories from the best in business. See you later.